Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. For the talk today, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you're new to the Bible, the Bible's kind of split into two halves. There's the Old Testament, which is before Jesus came. Then there's the New Testament, which starts with four books called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the stories of Jesus, sometimes called the Gospels. And then there's some smaller books beyond that. So we're going to be back toward the end of the Bible, a book called, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy. And to get us started, there's an article. The title of the article was The Effect of Military Life on Child Development and Mental Health. And here's a section from the article. It says, children who grow up in military families have unique experiences compared to their civilian peers. Do we have anybody that grew up in a military family? Okay, God bless you guys, thanks. Uh, They move frequently, spend extended periods of time away from their parents during deployment, and get indirect exposure to war, conflict, and violence, often at a young age. So that's thought-provoking. I use that to introduce just a a question. Uh, What's the question? It'll come up on the screen. Yeah, what do you imagine life like? What do you imagine life like in a military family? For those of us who've never participated in a military, what do you imagine? What would it be like? To, to live in a military family. The first thing that, that comes to my mind is kind of a drill sergeant dad, like that would, would get me up at, at 5 a.m. and I'd have to do push-ups. Some, I just have things that I think about that a military family might be like. Some of you have experience with that. But the reason I bring it up is because if you have been, uh, if you've become a Christian and you're part of the family of God, It is not far off to consider the family of God a military-ish family. Now, that's not something we talk about a lot. A lot of times we talk about the the, the loving aspect of the family of God or compassionate aspect of the family of God, all those things. But there is a side of the family of God, of of the organization, the church of God, that has some aggressive military-like characteristics. A huge part of the Old Testament uh, has to do with war and God's people in conflict with other people. There are over 80 uh, uh, battles, military battles, that happen in the Old Testament. And when you get to the New Testament... There are many points that the Bible describes us, people, in warfare. Oftentimes, it's spiritual warfare type of situations. Let me me hit you with a few verses, several verses, because I think for some of us, this is like a new thought. 1 Peter 5.8, be alert and sober and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. 
Next one, First Peter 2.11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Next one from 2 Corinthians. We do not wage war as the world does. And then it talks about the weapons we fight with. Goes on to talk about they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That sounds aggressive. Another one. This is, uh, the writer's name is Paul. He's getting to the end of his Christian life. He's done a great job of, of leading and following Christ. And he's getting ready to die. And he says, I have fought the good fight. Another one. Jesus himself says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So hold those thoughts. We're in this series called We Are Family. God's sons and daughters doing life together. And today, we're going to study and explore this unique aspect of the Christian family. Uh, this idea of the aggressive side of the body of Christ, this characteristic of God that is fairly military. And uh, by the way, this is really good because I think we can all agree that there are some responsibilities that we have in life, especially in our Christian life, that will not get fixed or finished if our only tool in our spiritual tool belt is a hug. I'm waiting for more amens, because that's true. Is that not true? Kindness is a wonderful thing, but we're not going to get everything done. Can I just put it on? You're not going to get everything done that you have on your to-do list, just really practically speaking. If all you have is, is you know, a, a back rub every once in a while, oh, that sounds pretty good. But does that make sense? There are things that take more work and energy and strategy and effort to really get them done. So we're going to learn from 2 Timothy 2. Paul, the writer here, is mentoring his spiritual son, Timothy. And this is not a nurture moment. This is a buck up moment. And he's actually going to identify uh, Timothy as a soldier for Christ. Chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And then we're going to focus on the next two verses. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but tries, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Verse 3 and 4 again. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding 
officer. Title of the talk this weekend is A Warrior Family. I'm going to give you two characteristics of a good spiritual soldier before I give you these. Let's pray. And while we pray, if you could engage enough to think about some of the areas of responsibility you have that are going to take extra diligence, you, are, you, you may have to fight for it. I want to I say you will. You'll have to fight for it. Some things that, I, that come to my mind are some of uh, family things that I'm responsible for. I may have to fight for that stuff. Some of you might have God-given uh, visions about... <laughs> Sorry. Paying your bills. You're like, I think I want to pay my bills. Well, you may have to... You may have to fight for that. Okay, so think of something in your life that you know uh, it's important. So, Father, I pray that you would, for some of us, remind us of this more aggressive edge of the kingdom of God. For others, this might be new. Open our eyes to the reality of who you are and what you've called your church family, your kids, this, this strength side of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Talk to us, I pray, God. Because if you talk to us, our future will be better. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, two things regarding a good spiritual soldier. First one is this. A good spiritual soldier embraces some pain. Embraces some pain. How many of you are looking forward to this point? Yeah! Woo! There probably are a few of us. Yeah! Will you... <laughs> Don't be shaking your head. <laughs> Stop. No, embraces some pain. Isn't it interesting in verse 3... Where Paul says to Timothy, join me in suffering. The word there in the original language, guess what it means? It means suffering. But it does, it, it is interesting. Boy, that's a big long word. It means to bear evil treatment. This was curious to me, along with. So Paul is inviting him, not to do it by himself, but along with me, join in suffering for the gospel. It's uh, bear evil treatment along with me, suffer hardships together. And I like this. It was described as a co-suffering comrade. A co-suffering comrade. So what's going on here is Paul, who's, in, who's mentoring Timothy, who has been sharing life with Timothy is inviting him into this aspect of his life, his Christian experience, and it's to endure the hard stuff for the sake of the cause. A lot of times we invite other people to, well, it's, it's not unusual to invite other people into our Christian experience. We say, well, come to church because we're in a series on family, or, or come and we're introducing a new worship song. I really like the new worship song we did this morning about, oh, Oh, God, my God, my... I don't remember it, but I really liked it. You're the same, God. You are the same. I liked it. It's coming back. It's coming back. Um, so we might invite people 
to a part of our Christian experience. Tonight we're having a Super Bowl party, and those are joyful things to bring people and invite them to experience along with us. But Paul is saying, come with me and experience with me the hard, painful side of being faithful to God. And just to know this with a little more edge, let's look at some of the things that Paul has likely experienced already as part of serving God. So in 2 Corinthians 11, when Paul talks about come with me and suffer as a good soldier, this is the kind of thing he's talking about. He's been in prison. He's been flogged, which is whipped. He's been exposed to death again and again. Then he talks about some of the numbers. Five times he had been beaten with 40 lashes minus one. If you didn't know this, uh, in Jesus' time, they would have thought it inhumane to whip a person 40 times. And so they only whipped them 39. That's how that went. So when Jesus was flogged before his death, they would have used, I won't go into the details, but he would have been whipped 39 times. So Paul had had that same experience uh, five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was pelted with stones. Three times he was shipwrecked. And he spent an entire night and day in the open sea. Can we get real about Paul's suffering situation? If Paul were alive today, he might easily claim PTSD, require a whole herd of emotional support animals. Like, you should get that guy an emotional support horse. Because of his, uh, he could have been saying, I need weekly counseling, filed for emotional disability, all those kinds. He could have done all those things. But that's not what Paul is doing. Just a side note, I think it's because of Paul's depth of relationship with God and because Christ is close to us in our suffering, the answer, by, uh, the answer to some of the things that we're crying out for, because how many of you have been through some difficulty in life? Okay, I'll wait till we all raise our hands. Okay. But can I tell you there's a better place to go than a fluffy puppy? And if you have a fluffy puppy, that's great. But can I tell you we should run to the God who is close to us in our suffering because he has more power than Buffy. Or whatever you call it. Does that, so now I'm going to get in trouble for bringing this up. But I'm telling you that the answer, the best answer, how in the world does Paul go through all that and have the emotional stability and the, and the function of how? It's because he's close with God. That's, that's amazing stuff there. And he's inviting Timothy, grow up, son. Come on. Be so clear in your calling that you would suffer for the gospel. There's no way better to live. And I would also say, Paul today, like right now, because he's in eternity with God, he has no regrets. Because today, life is good. Tangent there. Here's the theological point. You can write this in. The invitation of God is not all fun and games. Just in case 
someone has shared that with you, maybe a well-meaning person that has said, follow Jesus and everything will be awesome all the time. By the way, anybody who says, if you just do this, everything will be awesome all the time, is lying to you. This is a broken, messed up world, okay? Now, I know a bunch of us in the room are either exploring or you've already decided, I want to be a follower of Jesus, and I want to make a difference, and I want to feel the power of the Holy Spirit, and I want to be a person who can pray and see things happen. Suffering is part of that picture, a willingness to endure pain, do things when they're hard, is part of it. I also want to address the idea that this suffering, some of the things that Paul went through, well, that's just 2,000 years ago. That's just, you know, way back before they had the internet. Because now everything's fine, and now there's big grocery stores, and uh, 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 I can't think of what I'm trying to say. Somebody will come up with it if I just, precious oils. What's the, what's the, what's the miracle? And it's now we have essential oils. <laughs> and so everything's fine now. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> essential oils. I have lost it. I've lost it. Dang it. I talked about fluffy puppies, and essential oils. <laughs> Just so you know, we live in a very unique situation in America where many, many of the things that are, that are around us are pretty darn good, you guys. We should be grateful to God a ton, all right? But around the world, there is still Christian suffering like Paul was going through. This is still happening. One, what are the stats? I found some stats. One in seven Christians around the world will suffer significant persecution for their faith. In 20, 2021, they're probably still working on 2022 stats. Average, in 2021, 16 people a day around the globe were killed for following Jesus. And we think that doesn't happen. Yes, it does happen. We're connected to a ministry called Christ for India. We've got a little team headed there in a week or so. And so we, these are people we know. And uh, Pastor Abraham reported to this to us a, a year and a half ago about Guru Mahdi. He was one of the pastors that serve under Pastor Abraham. We grabbed this picture from a, a flyer, so I know it's not really clear. But this is a pastor a year and a half ago. He was serving in an unreached people group in India. He's, what's he doing? He's sharing the gospel. He's addressing medical needs. He's trying to help with children's education all in the name of Christ. And in July, a year and a half ago, he was taken captive by an anti-Christian group. And he was, listen, he was tied to a tree for three days for being a committed Christian. That guy. You want to know the rest of the story? And then they killed him. which left his wife and his two children devastated. So what did his wife and two children decide to do? They kept doing the ministry that Guru had started in the same village. Why? Because they decided the cause of Christ was worth 
suffering for and decided to be faithful even when life got really painful. So how do you bring this in the here for us? And here is uh, an idea that came to my mind. Might have to chew on it a little bit. But for us, for me, this is for me. The possibility of pain must not steer my spiritual decisions. Does that make sense? Do not make your life decisions or spiritual decisions based on oh, but if I do that, it might hurt. That is not how you stay in the will of God and get the things of God done in your life. Can we have apprehension? Probably. Did Paul love it when he got beaten and flogged? Probably not. But the call took him beyond the pain, so that was worth it, even if you have to go through the challenge of now. So even just now... Think of some of the things that are so important that God has put on your to-do list. They should be so important that you will make decisions based on accomplishing those things and not just avoiding challenges. If you, to simple, simplify this a little bit, could we maybe, if you're a follower of Jesus, Can we maybe just not whine about a little challenge that we face today? How about that? Or if we we don't get a promotion at work because we actively read our Bible over lunch, can we just like be okay with it? Or if you lose your job because you're a follower of Jesus, how about deciding it's okay because I'm a follower of Jesus, so, 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 so be it. Another little side note I'm interjecting here. Uh, if you've got Christian friends, could we be the voice, uh, a Christian friend's voice, who when someone's suffering, yes, have compassion, but also continue to challenge them to be faithful to the cause? And to not, because we need voices like that, that'll say, you can do this, I'm praying for you, keep doing the right thing. Uh, this reminded me, this idea reminded me of some of the things that we prayed with our kids. Uh, I prayed with my kids. I don't know if my wife ever prayed this with my children, but when they were growing up, uh, we would pray with our kids every night, and either I would pray or my wife would pray, and sometimes we did it together. But I remember multiple times praying with them when they were young, Something like this. And Jesus, because it was, it was, you know, bedtime prayers. And I would pray, Jesus, would you help us tonight, even if we have to die because we love you, to be okay. And even if we, we, have, if we become afraid or if it becomes unpopular to be a Christian, give us enough courage to die for you, knowing that, because when we die, We get to go straight to heaven and be with you. I remember praying prayers with my four-year-olds about, look out, you might die tonight. So we better be ready to go to heaven. That's good parenting, my friends. You got to sort through that. But but, But like on the flip side, 
I talked to her because I talked to our, our oldest about that. I said, do you remember praying those prayers? And she said, I remember praying those prayers. I think those are things that shape us so that as we grow up, we understand that challenges or possible persecution is part of the Christian life. <laughs> so we were like, man, that dude's mean dad. <laughs> I just want my kids to grow up to know about reality and the possibilities of following Jesus. All right, wrap up the point, Mark. Okay, I will. Here's a question. Have I carried my cross lately? Don't be afraid to carry, carry the cross. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't shy away from pain when his call was to die for the world. Because if he says that, that cross thing looks like it's going to hurt and he quits, then we all, we all suffer for our own sin. So that was the first point. Second point is a good spiritual soldier stays on mission. Stays on mission. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, I think. Stays on mission. Let me give you a, a word picture before we get into it. I have a friend who was in the military for quite some time. I don't see him very often anymore. But he would talk about, he was a recruiter. So he was like one of these kind of guys. That's not him. He was a recruiter, I think, for the Marines. And he would talk about a term it was, it was making mission. And his mission every month, the minimum requirement was to like get four high school students fully engaged and enrolled in being a Marine. Does that make sense? That was his mission. And I guess I remember it because a couple times he would talk about not making mission, which was bad. Or he would talk about celebrating when he made mission. And, and the feeling that I got from him was the seriousness of his life because he knew there was like a commanding officer who was going to check on whether he was making mission. Does that make sense? This idea of being driven by purpose. Back to our text. <coughs> Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.4. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to <coughs> please his commanding officer. My friend had a commanding officer, and it drove him to make mission. So for us, by the way, God is our commanding officer, and his, and it should compel us to stay focused on our mission so that we accomplish it. Here's a question for us all. How badly do I want to please God, our commanding officer? How badly? You can just ask yourself that. How badly do I want to please God? And I know that there are a lot of us who, like, we, we want to. We really want to. And so for those of you that are like, yeah, I really want to please God, what I want to finish with is three ideas that will help you accomplish some of the tasks that are on your to-do list. The things that you can't fail at. Does that make sense? Okay, here's some advice for you. First thing is this. Identify your clear assignments you're clear, know what it is that, that failure is not an option. 
Like you are, you've got to get that done. I have four purpose statements for my life or a purpose statement that includes four things. Love God, serve my wife, train my children and grow this church. Those are things that I'm giving my life for. I will risk things for all those four things. That helps me knowing those four things helps me so that if one of those areas of my life begins to wobble, I know I got to make adjustments, get intense, whether it's prayer or attentiveness, all I know, whoa, 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 my marriage cannot wobble, not an option. And so then I adjust to make sure, does that make sense? Super important to have things identified. So if you haven't identified your purpose in your, your purpose in life, with God, by the way, it's the best way to do it, do that. It gives you traction. Second hint here is to connect with some skilled comrades, some people to do life together. <laughs> I want to say that has some skills in whatever area of life you're trying to accomplish. Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. My wife and I have had a really high value of trying to uh, raise our children to uh, uh, be Christians and love God and, and, can, and function in life. How about that? So what we did, we were so blessed early on to identify two friends, Scott and Kim. They had six kids. And when I was, some of you need to pause right there. They had six kids. And we, as they were a little bit older than we were, and we were watching the way their kids were leaning into spiritual things, being just great kids. And we went to them and basically said, can we be your friends? Because how in the world do you do that? And that was life-changing for us. We connected with someone who had skills in the area that we were trying to accomplish. Connect with some skilled comrades. The last idea is to turn away from godless distractions. If we know what we're called to, then we'll be able to identify some of the other options that are just not that important. But if we're not careful, we'll get sucked into them. Our text says no one serving as a soldier gets entangled, which is an interesting word, gets entangled in civilian affairs. It's the stuff that distracts us from the mission. Bad illustration. We'll close with a bad illustration. This evening is the Super Bowl, and I will give you a prediction. This is not prophetic. It's just a prediction. It's going to happen tonight. An official is going to make a bad call. So here's the idea. Before you go berserk <laughs> and change your calendar to drive to, where's the game? What is it? Arizona. To drive to Arizona and, and confront the evil zebra shirt wearing 
whatever. Could you just pause and consider, am I getting entangled in an affair that even matters at all? That's The idea is, I think we live in a world that if we're not really diligent and on mission, we will get sucked into lesser things and we won't even know it. I am afraid. I am legit afraid when I get into eternity how much of my life I will have wasted on lesser junk. That'll be, that'll, that'll be a sad moment. There'll be some really good moments because I embrace Jesus and all that stuff. But I think many of us will look back and think, what was I, what was I thinking that I thought about that? So turn away from godless distractions. So just a reminder, a good spiritual soldier is not afraid of some pain, stays on mission. Why don't you stand and we'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.